Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you're our honored guest. We would like to have a record of everyone's attendance. There's a friendship register on each pew. We'd ask that you uh, fill that out and pass it on down the pew. I know we have uh, some that are joining us on social, social media and we welcome you as well. You know there are some vacant spots in the audience this morning. We have over 30 of our members who are on a trip that includes going to the Ark up in Kentucky, and we will miss them and we pray for their safety on their return. Brother Raver Stevens died this past Thursday morning at the Boonville Hospital, and due to the forecast for inclement weather this afternoon, the memorial service, which was scheduled to be at the graveside, has been moved to the Macmillan Funeral Home Chapel. The service is scheduled for 2 p.m. this afternoon. In our worship assembly this morning, Brother uh, Bo Gross uh, will be leading our singing. Brother Luther Mormon has our opening prayer. Uh, scripture reading is scheduled by, for Jonathan Green. Uh, Brother Tommy Barragona will uh, probably lead us in the Lord's Supper. And then Guy Gardner will have uh, closing announcements and prayer. And Brother Ken Forrest will bring us the message. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble this morning to worship Thee. We pray that all that we do would be pleasing in Your sight. We know, Father, that You're the God of all comfort, and we 
pray your comfort to be with the Stevens family in the loss of Raver. Be with us now as we worship thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First song this morning, number two. Praise the old God. We praise your
Our Father in heaven, we give thee our thanks for this another Lord's Day, for this assembly. We pray, Father, that our worship this morning will be acceptable unto thee. We pray, Father, for those that have lost loved ones. We ask thee, Father, that would comfort them. And we pray for the sick, for those unable to be with us this day. We thank the Father for the portion of health that has blessed us with that we can rise from our rest and prepare ourselves to come here and worship Thee, Father. We're so thankful for our elders and them watching for our souls and that's our blessing built on them. We ask Thee that be a guiding hand in every decision they make. We're also thankful for our deacons and we pray for them as they carry out their responsibility, Father. Thank you for all the teachers, for song leaders and the ability they have. We thank you for our nation, Father. We thank you we live in a nation where we can assemble without fear. And we pray for our leaders, Father, that they will recognize thee as being the almighty God who created heaven and earth. We, we pray for Brother Ken this morning as he bring, bring the message of the hour. At the Father, give him a good memory of study. And we'll listen attentively, Father, and apply these things to everyday life so we'll be stronger in the faith and be, be able to go out and tell others about thee also, Father. We ask the forgiveness for our sin, Father, if we, as we repent and turn from those things, Father. We pray we'll always be faithful throughout our lives that when our life is over, they'll give us home with thee in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to mark the invitation, Psalm number 927. Psalm before our scripture reading this morning, number 
Good morning. Good morning. Would you mind reading a scripture for us? All right. All right. Reading for Brother Ken's lesson this morning is going to be taken from Luke chapter 22, verses 47 and 48. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude. Uh, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus and to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Boy, he's sneaky, isn't he? Thank you, Jonathan, for reading our text for us today. Thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our worship assembly, to be a part of a time where we not only sing these songs and pray together as we have already, but also later we will be partaking of the Lord's Supper together. We'll be giving as we have purposed in our hearts. But right now in this moment, we're not just enduring a sermon. I hope that we're mindful that we are in an act of worship. Yeah, we're looking at the scriptures, but not just for the purpose of studying them and learning something. We're meditating on that. That word's supposed to become a part of us. And God can take that word and he can do things with us. So I hope that as we are studying God's Word together in this portion that we're doing it in spirit and in truth. The right heart, welcoming the Word, and then hearing the truth for what it is. And today is going to be a time of examination, I think, for all of us. Before we start that, let's pray that God will bless us in our endeavor. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege, the blessing it is to assemble here, to participate in this act of worship, to hear your word, to listen to you speak to us through those words, and to gather from them the lessons that you would have us to learn. I pray, Lord, that we have come, as with every other part of our worship, with hearts that are open and malleable and for minds that are ready to accept the truth. I pray, Father, that today you will begin in us a kind of motivation that's always sincere and that as we serve you to love you, I pray, Father, that that will be evident in us. And Lord, more than anything, I just, I pray that when our moment of truth comes, that we will be faithful. Help me to communicate that, Lord, and be with our worshipers today that the words they hear will be effective in them. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't suppose that there is anything that is a greater affront or a grief to Jesus Christ than to be betrayed by his followers, by his disciples, 
by those who say, Lord, I, I love you. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 27 and verse 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. There's some clarity in that statement. I know that if my friend is truly faithful, if they truly love me, then there will be times when they have to say something that's hard. But that won't ruin my friendship. Maybe it will endear them to me even to a greater degree because I know that they have my best interest at heart. And I trust what they have to say, even when it hurts. The other side of that is, be suspicious when your enemy kisses you, shows affection. Because you can't trust your enemy. The likelihood is that they're trying to set you up for something, so be wary. If life were just like that, black and white, easy to discern, there would be no problem. But what happens in this text is very different from what we read from the Proverbs. It's a graying of the lines. What about when you trust somebody? What about when you consider them to be your friend and they betray you? They're unfaithful to you. They're deceitful as an enemy would be. That's why I say there's no greater grief or affront to Jesus than to have people who say they love him, to call themselves disciples of his, to be his friend, and yet in the moment of truth to betray him. Luke chapter 22 is important because in this chapter we see Jesus living out as an example one of the things that he told us to do. To do good to those who hate you. And later, he would pray for those who spitefully used him and persecuted him. Great example, but my heart hurts for Jesus in the moment that is described for us in the text. And I guess there's also a bit of fear that if the circumstances lined up just right, and I became unfaithful to the Lord, that I might become like Judas. I'm wondering, in the moment of truth, in a moment when we're facing a trial and uncertainty, some stress, something that really opens us up, we're real as we can be, in that moment of absolute truth, when there is no pretension at all, Will I be offering to Jesus a kiss of death or a kiss of life? I want to think with you just in those simple terms today. And I want to describe initially a kiss of death. In verse 48, Jesus says, Judas... Are, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? 
Judas? <laughs> How many times had Jesus had that name just roll off his lips? I mean, he's been with Judas for over three years now. Judas has heard every story. He's seen the miracles. He has heard the declaration that Jesus is the Son of God, and he did not try to refute that. He joined with all the other disciples. He is a part of that group that is preparing itself to carry the gospel news to the whole world. How many times in a casual, personal setting did Jesus, Jesus just lean over or turn his head toward Judas and just speak that name? A common name, a common friendship. Judas. He did not say, now, Mr. Iscariot, or you over there, what, what's your name again? No, this, this is my friend. This, this is one of my disciples. Judas. Are you betraying? Are you becoming unfaithful to me in this moment? I who have been your master, your protector, your benefactor, your friend, are you right now in this moment becoming unfaithful to me? Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man? The Messiah? The hope for all nations? The Redeemer? Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? You know, the universal symbol of love and affection. Spouses, when they've been separated for a time, you've seen them. They embrace in a kiss, welcoming one another back together. You've seen it as a small child runs to their parent or grandparent just so excited to see them and to offer up those gentle kisses. One of the most precious expressions. That expression became so precious that even the church began to greet one another with what was called a holy kiss. I mean, when, when we are wanting to show the, the closest connection with one another, that's exactly how we extend ourselves. We are vulnerable in that moment. I love you so much. Judas, is that what's happening right now? You are betraying me with a kiss? That's apparent. That's one of those things when you read the text, you can't miss that. There's no doubt that in this moment, that's exactly what Judas is doing. It is all built up to this, this moment as the eyes reach one another and as he leans in to kiss to identify Jesus as the Son of God. Really? But there are some things that while intended, became unintended. What was unintended was that also in that moment, in the betrayal of Jesus, was a betrayal of Judas. 
the betrayal of a wicked heart. It's interesting. The Bible describes the disciples in some pretty loose terms. When we do studies of those disciples, we tend to want to talk about Peter or James and John because we have a lot of material about them. And some of the lesser disciples, not because of a lack of faith or anything like that. It's just that we don't have that much material on them. Most of us don't want to have to do a character study of Bartholomew. <laughs> you know, don't know that much about it. We would even rather study Paul, who came so much later, because, wow, I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament books. We, we got a lot we can say about that guy. What do we know about Judas? In the book of John, chapter 13, kind of interesting. He's described as that guy who had the money box. He's the guy who was the, he was the thief. He could not be trusted. Judas, in John 12, verse 6, John 15, verse 6, singled out as that individual, we just, I don't know. We just don't know. The Bible describes there in that text from 13 that it was Satan who entered into his heart the motivation, the desire to betray Jesus. Judas, in this moment of weakness, could have chosen just about any mode of identification for Jesus. He could have patted him on the shoulder. Could have just said, Behold, Jesus of Nazareth. Could have even used somebody else to make that identification, some kind of sign, but, but to make it so personal, revealed the weakness, the sin in his own heart, the lack of trustworthiness. I'm pretty sure that while that's an outstanding moment of betrayal, that there have been lots of Judases in the church over time. People who masqueraded their discipleship, who said the right things, who were at all the right places. But when their moment of truth arrived, when who they really are came to surface, it was just another one of those big betrayals the kiss of death. But in contrast to a kiss of death, I would suggest this. How about a kiss of life? How about what comes out of a relationship with Jesus? Look, I, I'm pretty certain that Judas isn't the only one who had a moment in which he failed in which Satan took advantage of his weaknesses. I know that that was true, as I mentioned a moment ago, from John chapter 13, where Judas 
is said in verse 2 as having been influenced by Satan. Satan had put the idea of betrayal in his heart. But Satan is the only one, or Judas isn't the only one who's been affected by those influences of Satan. Go back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve were also influenced in a like manner. As they began to think, have planted in their hearts that they could be equal with God. Jesus Christ himself, when he is tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, Satan uses those things that he believes will have an impact on the heart of Jesus. Are you hungry? I can feed you. Are you, are you desirous? Are you, are you missing the glory that you had in heaven? I can give you glory on earth. Are you wanting to establish a kingdom? I can give you all the kingdoms of earth if you would just bow down and worship me. Not even Jesus was free from the attempt of Satan to influence his heart for evil. Even in this same chapter from Luke chapter 22, if you go back a few verses to verse 31, you'll see that Jesus tells Simon, look, Satan, he has asked to sift you as wheat. But, I, but I've prayed for you. Satan is always looking for an avenue, an in, an opportunity to get us to that moment where we have to show our true colors. And what will we show? I know how it was with Ananias and Sapphira. So far as we know, before the events of Acts chapter 3, they were just fine. Everybody thought faithful members of the church. In fact, when they brought their contribution to the apostles, everything seemed fine, except it wasn't fine. And verse 3 of that text tells us that Satan had also influenced their heart. In fact, so much so that he has impressed upon them the desire to lie to the Holy Spirit. All of that self-motivated, but a planting of seed by Satan himself. Do not think that somehow we are immune to the influences and the efforts of Satan. Because I'm going to tell you that Satan will take you places that you never thought you'd ever go. We can find ourselves in places we never imagined possible for us. Willful sin. A determination of our heart against God. I, I sit in the pew and I think that's not possible. But I'm telling you that Satan can plant those ideas. Those inklings within our hearts. And in that moment of decision, we can fail. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Countered the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace. 
For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Who's he describing there? Some reprobate sinner out there who's turned their heart and their mind against God, who won't listen to God, who is, who is just obstinate and says, don't bring that religion to me. No. He's talking about people who once had known the truth and who in their sin, in their willful sin, in that moment of truth, in that, in that weakness, in that trial, in that in that setback in their life, when they became frustrated with God, they fall headlong into sin. So much so that he says, it is like they have trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which was sanctified a common thing, an insult to the Spirit of grace. He is going to find himself with the wrath of God. But, you know you... You can kiss the devil goodbye if you want to. And honestly, I thought that's exactly what Judas was going to do. Man, it, it looks so hopeful. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5, after these events, Judas comes in and he's filled with remorse. What have I done? And so he carries those 30 pieces of silver and he's going to give that back. And he says these words, I have sinned. Man, that's so hopeful, isn't it? If the story had stopped right there and then without any other influences, without any other actions on the part of Judas, maybe he just falls in with Peter. Remember, Peter denied the Lord three times. It seemed hopeless for him too, but he finally came to his senses. He was reclaimed by the Lord, and on the day of Pentecost, he is center stage as the gospel is preached for the first time. Can you imagine? Here it is. We've got Judas filled with remorse. He is returning the, the money. He is just so full of confession. I've sinned. And now the day of Pentecost, right there side by side with Peter, proclaiming the gospel. Yes, another soul saved for Jesus. But that is not what happened. The Bible says that Judas went out and he killed himself. The pit of despair. You ever been there? Have you ever said, or have you heard anybody else ever say, there's no hope for me? God cannot love me for what I've done. You know what that is? That is Satan speaking to your heart. That is Satan planting that despair in your heart. That is Satan trying to cause you to forget that God is bigger than any trouble that you face. I know that despite the troubles that we face and the hardships that are all around us, that there is always the hope to go on. 
even when sin is as grievous as a betrayal, forgiveness can rectify that situation and make life worth living. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, Paul's reflecting upon his own experiences. He says, when I'm weak, those moments when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. By the power of God in our greatest weaknesses, we can have our greatest strength. You can take hold of the situation in dealing with Satan. You can take action on your own behalf. In James chapter 4, at verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he, he will lift you up. In our relationship with God, we don't turn our back on Him. In those moments of truth, let the truth shine out. Let us be faithful to the Lord. Not, not in a, a sense of betrayal, I don't know Him. Not in a sense of offering a kiss of death, but of life. Trusting that God is there a support for us, able to overwhelm the darkest of circumstances. Let us be certain that when those moments come, that we choose rightly, and that we have turned our back on the devil and his influences. Maybe it is today. You realize, you know what? That, that was me. I, I, I'm the person who got to the point where he said, I, Life's not worth living. I've made too great a mistake. I can't be forgiven. What not? That's Satan talking to you. And Satan will plant that same element in your heart this morning. You need to repent of sin, but you won't do it. Because Satan says, not today. Put that behind you. Receive the forgiveness that's offered you. If you're not a child of God, maybe that same voice is speaking today in your heart. A different day, a more convenient time. Not today, tomorrow, not this week, next week, next month, next year. When I get circumstances just exactly right, that's when I will act. That is Satan influencing a heart for delay. Today, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, today's the day of salvation. Repent of your sins, confess your faith, be buried in water, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. You'll rise in newness of life. That's a promise of God. God can overcome any weakness, any trial of our lives if we will submit humbly to His effect. So today, if you need to repent of sin as a Christian or you need to obey the gospel, now's your opportunity. Don't let that evil voice dissuade you. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. I keep Jesus waiting, waiting in the world. He
the Lord's Supper, if you would, raise your hand and someone will bring them to you. And we still have one down here in the front. Oh, okay. This time in our worship service, we take the time to remember the Lord's sacrifice on our behalf. If you would, pray with me. Our Father, as we enter into this time of remembrance, we're thankful for the bread that we have today, that it is a representation of the body that was shed upon the cross. And we pray that as we partake, that we will partake in a manner that's pleasing in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's bow again, please. Father, we know that your Son shed his innocent blood upon the cross so that we can have an opportunity to go to heaven and to spend an eternity with you. Father, we pray that as we partake of this, the fruit of the vine, which represents the shedding of, the, of that innocent blood, that we'll do so in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make on our behalf. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Also, as part of our worship service, we have an opportunity to give of our means back to the Lord. There are containers on each of the at each of the doors as you leave the auditorium today. Also on the screen, there are other ways that you can give. Let's bow and thank God for the things that we have. <clears throat> Our Father, we're thankful that you have blessed us, and we know that we're blessed in many ways. And Father, as we give back to you a part of the things that you've given to us, we pray that it will be used to further your kingdom in this place and around the world, that many souls will be, will be brought to you before it's everlastingly too late. Father, we pray that we can give from a cheerful heart. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
couple of things uh, before Guy comes and makes some announcements. I'll cover a couple that's in the bulletin. Um, but one thing that we'll say more about um, in August, but um, parents, be talking to your children and reminding them that um, first Sunday in August, August 1st, is what we typically call our promotion day uh, when you move up to the next level. So just be talking to them and preparing them for that. And um, uh, already have teachers lined up for all of those classes and um, I'm excited about that. I know you are as well. Please pray for that. But you've heard a lot about Maywood this whole summer and Mid-South Youth Camp, but uh, Maywood, another session of Maywood that God has blessed me to be a part of, and many of you are being a part of that as well. But number one, thank you for praying for that, and please continue to pray for that effort. Um, and I want to say a special thank you to those of you who have who plan to make uh whether it's desserts, if you plan to do that, and those who have helped uh, monetarily to help uh, kids go to camp, I appreciate you being a part of that and this congregation for the part that it does for the young people here and those of you who have done so. And I want to ask um, uh, a favor. Wednesday night, I had, Wednesday night after the services, I was uh, busier than a one-tooth beaver on a tree farm. And I was talking to more people Someone came up and very generously, graciously gave some, uh, handed me some money for that sponsor fund. I'm not even sure I said thank you because I have absolutely no idea who that was. If you will identify yourself to me today, I would really like to know who you were. I mean, um, I don't want you to think I was just holding my hand out taking money and then uh, from whomever I would. I'd appreciate that. If you are riding the bus and have not signed that list, Mr. Chris Beard, Brother Chris, is going to be responsible for that. So uh, he needs to know, and you need to be getting with him on that day. But uh, do that for me. And one very last thing is that I know we have several out of town, but if any of you who are grandparents or whatever can be the, maybe the representative for those people, if you are planning to attend as a camper, and you are the parent of that camper for session eight, I need to meet with you very briefly, and I just made Larry Morgan smile, but I need to meet with you very briefly uh, in the little chapel right after services. There's one particular thing that we need to talk about real quick. Good morning. We do have just a couple more announcements before we have our dismissal prayer. There was 270 in worship this morning, as, and as Brother Jim pointed out, there's 30 or so on a trip to the Ark. I uh, have a card from Miss Joan Mormon. It says, thanks. Thank you for all the kind deeds, prayers, calls, cards, visits, and food. Each one was a blessing to me while I couldn't come to worship. I am so thankful for my church family. It's Joan Mormon. Uh, the Marietta Gospel Meeting is starting today and is scheduled to continue through Wednesday. David Connolly is the speaker, Monday through Wednesday. Because the buses and vans are being used with the ARC trip, uh, a group from the church is planning to go to Marietta on Monday night in cars. If you're interested in going and carpooling, be at the Annex at 6.15. And... Also, if you have a blue Boomville Church logo shirt, um, wear that shirt Monday night. 
And if you will bow with me, we'll close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we got to get up this morning on this Lord's Day and come here and worship you. God, we're thankful for Brother Ken and his skill and ability to deliver your word and to preach the truth. We're thankful this morning for Brian. We pray that you will continue to be with him and help him. And God, we just ask that you open our hearts to love others the way you love us. And we pray this morning, God, that as we go out into this world that we fulfill your purpose and we do your will. And we show others you through our conduct out in the world. We're so thankful, God. We just ask you, please forgive us where we failed you. In Jesus' name, amen.